Hello and welcome to another episode of the Luxury Weekly, where I select and summarize for you 10 important news in the luxury industry for the week of June 7, 2021. 1. The biggest news of the week came from online marketplace S-Sense, which took on a minority investment from Sequoia Capital, valuing it at $4.1 billion. It's the first round of external funding that the company takes since it was founded in 2003. S-Sense is an e-commerce retailer based out of Montreal, specialized in designer fashion and high-end streetwear, which claims to have experienced double-digit growth and profitability since inception. With an average of 100 million monthly page views, the majority of their audience is between 18 and 40 years old. Their success was built on a strong and ambitious editorial content strategy, which allowed them to build strong credibility amongst the youth culture. The company describes itself as a tech platform and explains that they have been laser-focused on customers since day one. The proceeds will be used to expand globally, especially in China. This is the latest financing story propelling an online luxury retailer way above the billion-dollar valuation, and it feels like it's an arms race for grabbing these market shares and taking on a dominating position in the e-commerce world. 2. To continue on the finance topic, there have been a few more acquisitions this week. Sergio Rossi was acquired by Fosun and joins a portfolio of brands which includes Lanvin, Wolford, Caruso and St. John's Nitz. The objective for the Italian luxury shoemaker is to expand its operations, especially in Asia. Fosun also plans on creating synergies between all of its brands thanks to Sergio Rossi's fully owned factory. The brand currently operates 64 stores worldwide, of which 45 are directly owned flagship stores, with the remaining stores being franchised. Then, the e-commerce consolidation continues. New Order was acquired by Lightspeed for $425 million. In case you don't know about it, New Order is an LA-based company founded in 2011, which facilitates B2B transactions between retailers and brands. It provides virtual showrooms and payment processing. They have more than 3,000 brands and 500,000 retailers, including Saks and Bloomingdale's. Lightspeed is a point-of-sales software company based in Canada and publicly traded with a $9.4 billion market cap. 3. A few news coming from Valentino. First of all, the Italian fashion house reported a loss of 127 million euros during the pandemic, compared to a 33 million euro profit in 2019. In 2020, sales dropped by 27% to reach 882 million euros. On a more positive note, Valentino expanded it to beauty by launching an extensive makeup collection. With more than 50 shades of lipstick, which can all be refillable, 40 shades of foundation, eyeshadow, liner and mascara, the collection wants to be inclusive and capitalize on the iconic Valentino red color introduced in 1959. Finally, to conclude on the topic of Valentino, they hosted an art exhibit in their Soho store displaying NFT artwork from British artist Matthew Stone. Four NFTs were on display at the store and the artist is known for his digital paintings which start on traditional canvas. 4. Burberry unveiled their sustainability program and the ambitious objective to become net positive by 2040. In doing so, the fashion house becomes the first luxury brand to commit to reaching a net positive environmental impact instead of the standard climate neutral objective. So how will they do that? 
First of all, by removing carbon dioxide from the atmosphere. The brand also created the Burberry Regeneration Fund to finance projects around carbon removal and climate projects which serve vulnerable frontline communities. Burberry also wants to advocate for change in the luxury industry through partnerships with NGOs, peers and policymakers. This is not new for Burberry, which plans on being carbon neutral by next year, while all their shows and events have been carbon neutral since 2019. It also sources 93% of its electricity from renewable energies. 5. Let's review what happened in the fast-growing resale market. First of all, MyTheresa partnered with Vestia Collective to launch an exclusive resale service for MyTheresa's high-end luxury clients. Only top clients will be able to access a dedicated web page where they can upload the products they would like to sell. They will receive a quote and after quality checks, they will receive payment in the form of a Vestia Collective voucher. The item will then be made available on Vestia's website. Then, Mulberry goes deeper in the second-hand market by launching a buy-buy program. Customers of the British Fashion House will be able to sell their handbags to the brand, which will then refurbish them and put them on sale on a dedicated second-hand section of their website. The repurchase price will be 25% of the initial purchase price in the form of a voucher. If the bag is in poor conditions and cannot be refurbished, Mulberry can still buy it back and send it to one of their partners which specializes in leather recycling. 6. Ferrari was in the news this week. They appointed a new CEO and the entire industry raised eyebrows. Their new CEO has no experience in automotive or even consumer goods because he's an electronics executive coming from ST Microelectronics. His mandate will be to reinvent Ferrari after the iconic car maker went through multiple management changes over the past few years. The upcoming challenges will be to lead the technological changes in terms of bringing to market electric vehicles and continuing to inject electronics at the service of the customer experience. He will also oversee the Formula One team. Ferrari's revenue dipped by 9% during the pandemic, but the company was profitable. Although earnings were down, the company rebounded to post a record profit in the fourth quarter and has projected another boost in profits this year. To put things in context, Ferrari sold 9,200 cars in 2020 at an average price of roughly $370,000. Then, a bigger news regarding Ferrari was the launch of their first ready-to-wear collection, which was unveiled at a fashion show over the weekend in their Maranello factory. It shows that Ferrari wants to establish itself as a lifestyle brand and grow by expanding its product categories outside of its core business. With sustainability becoming an ever-so-important concern for the new generation of consumers and the advances in electric vehicles, it's time for Ferrari to capitalize on its enormous brand equity and diversify in the top luxury segment. Also, Ferrari is owned by Exor, the investment vehicle of the Italian billionaire Agnelli Family. Exor owns Giorgio Armani and recently acquired 24% of Christian Louboutin. Ferrari drives 11% of its annual revenue from licensing its brand name. With the launch of their fashion collection, they plan on reducing the overall volume of licensed products in order to protect the brand image. 7. Let's review some cool collabs for the week. First of all, Hermès partnered with luxury car maker McLaren for a unique special order. 
The project came out of Hermès Bespoke and Special Projects Department, which has developed the ability to outfit pretty much any object in Hermès leather. They dressed and decorated the interior of the car in beautiful tan Hermès leather. With a price tag of 2.1 million pounds, there are only 106 units of the McLaren Speedtail around the world, and one of them has Hermès interior finish. That's ultimate luxury for you. Then, Balenciaga partnered with Sony PlayStation 5 to release a small collection of t-shirts and hoodies with the console's logo. Two interesting facts. First of all, the collection came out months after the release of the PlayStation 5, and surprisingly, the items are actually more expensive than the console itself. Finally, Pucci and Supreme launched a men's capsule collection available in the US and Japan. The drop includes a variety of men's clothing in three colorways inspired by Pucci's prints from the 60s and the 70s. From t-shirt to soccer jerseys and a smoking jacket, the collection also includes a range of accessories like sunglasses, caps, belts and lighters. 8. On the tech side, there was a major news coming from Apple this week. They announced a significant update to their Reality Kit technologies, which will allow developers to turn pictures taken on an iPhone into a 3D model. That new 3D object can then be inserted in augmented reality scenes. This is an important milestone in my opinion, as it signals major improvements for the next frontier of e-commerce, which is to replace the flat 2D product picture by a more compelling 3D version. Then. Sotheby's opened a replica of its headquarters in Decentraland. So for those of you who have never heard about Decentraland, it's a metaverse world created in 2015 where users can create avatars to interact with one another, purchase goods and services, and create art. Sotheby's virtual gallery is a replica of its new Bond Street gallery and is located in Decentraland's prime art hub known as the Voltaire Art District. Sotheby's also made headlines this week for their auction of a rare CryptoPunk which sold for $11 million. If you don't know what CryptoPunks are, look it up, it's fascinating. Sotheby's recent tactical moves show how serious they are about tapping into the digital art world. 9. Balharbor Shops launched their own e-commerce called Balharbor Shops Marketplace. It's not intended to be an online shop of all the luxury stores available at the shopping center, but rather a natural evolution of the existing website, which is already loaded with content promoting the brands and activities at Bal Harbor shops. It will now be possible for users to shop an editorial look. Also, within some of the stories, clicking on an image will prompt visitors to either call the store, make a private appointment at the store, or buy online. There's also a micro-site with an assortment of merchandise that can be purchased online. It's strictly up to each brand and store to participate or not. Val Harbor shops do not intend on competing with large online retailers, but instead enhance their customer experience and digital journey by offering new functionalities which benefit the stores and the overall shopping center. 10. Patek Philippe shocked the watch world by announcing that they were retiring one of their most iconic models, the Nautilus 5711. The watch retails for $30,000 and the wait time to get it can sometimes be as long as 8 to 10 years. 
the fastest way to get the watch was to buy it on a resale website, but usually at a huge markup, around $60,000. Since the news broke that Patek was retiring the watch, the resale price skyrocketed to more than $100,000. So why kill such an icon? According to Patek, the objective is to lower the brand's dependence on that one watch and they don't want Patek's image to be associated only with that one model. It will also give more breathing room to other watches and stop the speculative market on the Nautilus. To service some clients from the long wait list, Patek will supply a last batch of Nautilus 5711 and replace it with a new model, which the brand is confident will satisfy watch aficionados and usher in a new era for Patek Philippe. That's it for this week. Thank you so much for listening. Have a great week and stay tuned for the next episode.